All right. Well, we are up and running. Oh, that's, a, you know, that's good. So hang on. We'll start over again. Uh, that's a good idea because earlier I forgot to turn this off and it rang three times. Oh, great. People, I can sit here all day and no one wants to talk to me. And then I start doing something like this or I leave the office and everyone's like, you know who should I, who I should call? Well, in three days, I had 45 messages. That is ridiculous. Do you know when the last time I had 45 messages? Probably. The entire year hadn't been there. I was going to say, probably not. No. At all. No. Even a little bit. That's crazy. What is up, plant people? I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It is Tuesday, December 3rd, 2019. How's it going? Did you get to spend some time with family? I really hope you did. Family or friends or whoever you choose to spend your time with. I hope that you had a wonderful time, ate way too much food, and just uh, really enjoyed life for a few days. Whether you had to work or not, hope you took some time for yourself. It is time for episode three, and I'm very excited. Uh, before we get into that, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, I've recently switched hosting services, so you shouldn't notice any weirdness, but you may have to resubscribe to the show. So hop in whichever podcatcher or... Uh, uh, listening app you like to use and go ahead and make sure you're subscribed to Planthropology just to make sure that you're getting all the updates and the newest episodes. So episode three, we are talking to Christina Reed from Texas A&M AgriLife Extension here in Lubbock County. Christina is the horticulture agent for the county. She'll tell you here in just a couple of minutes a little bit more what that means. Uh, I was actually in that position for four years before her, so I know a little bit about it, but it's really great and really cool to hear her perspective on it. She is a wonderfully fun person and just does a great job of educating the community about plants and horticultures and horticultures, all of the different horticultures. She does a great job of educating the community about horticulture and uh, gardening and conservation and all those things. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Be sure to stick around after the episode to hear where you can find us online, on the social medias, on the interwebs, in this newfangled computer machine or your phone or whatever you use. I like to talk about um, our supporters, all the things that are going on. So make sure you stick around after. But without too much more blabbering, here is episode three with Christina Reed. Thanks for listening. And I hope you love this as much as I did. Okay, well, we are up and running. So thanks for coming in today, Christina. Thanks for having me, Vikram. I'm really excited to be here. So uh, uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell me about yourself. So I am Christina Reed. I work with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in Lubbock County. I'm the horticulture agent here in Lubbock. Um, I am a 32-year-old Texas Tech <laughs> graduate. I have a bachelor's degree in landscape architecture with a minor in horticulture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's about me. That's it. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, so tell, tell me what I, I know this, but because I've done this, but tell me what being a horticulture agent means. Oh, goodness. Well, here in Lubbock County, being a horticulture agent means that I assist people in Lubbock County with their gardening problems, whether that's you know, why my tomatoes didn't do well this year to how I can conserve more rainwater. How can I make my yard more economically friendly um, and environmentally sustainable? What can I do to attract pollinators? 
Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Good so, so why, why didn't my tomatoes do well this year? I'm just kidding. We, we had too much rain this spring. It, it was wet. It was <laughs> yes. wet and soggy and they all got diseased and they all died. Yes. And it was Ex- terrible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been doing this? So I've been an extension agent here in Lubbock County for a year. Um, I was an extension agent in Oklahoma County with Oklahoma State University for about a year as well. Um, in between the two, I actually practiced some landscape design. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, you said so your bachelor's is in landscape architecture. What yes. what got you interested in that? Well, I really like to see a project from start to finish. So I really like to see um, things come together conceptually and then actually watch it be implemented and be able to tweak it and then see the finished product. Okay. Um, that is really something... I enjoy personally is things from start to finish. Sure. So landscape design gives me that ability to see projects from start to finish all the way through. So that's why I chose it. I I really liked plants and being outdoors and again, just being able to see projects that way. So are you from Lubbock? I'm not. I'm originally from the Dallas area. Okay. I uh, graduated from Rockwall High School. Okay. Yeah. Go Yellow Jackets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So things grow in Dallas. Yes. Yes, they do. And they pretend to grow in Lubbock. Well, you know, we have just slightly different soil types, slightly different annual rainfall totals. Um, So it's a matter of just really being in tune with your environment in order to tell what's going to grow and what's not. And and yes, there's a big difference between here and Dallas, more than just five hours on the highway. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, it's funny that in Texas, we measure everything in hours, right? It's like with miles don't even mean anything. No, just hours. How long will it take me to get there if I drive 85 miles per hour? Well, I can tell you from experience, it will take you four hours and 45 minutes from my home here in South Lubbock to my parents' home in North Dallas. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I don't think I've, my dad lives in, in, uh, like the Western part of the Metroplex north of Fort Worth. And I don't think I've ever made it. Well, okay. That's not true. I think I made it that fast when I was in college, but anymore, I don't maybe quite drive so fast. So actually I made that drive yesterday. (laughs) Um, did you, uh, have you ever stopped at Herd's hamburgers up in Jacksboro? No. If not, you totally should. Oh, pro tip, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I've driven through Jacksboro a lot of times. I don't think I've ever like stopped in Jacksboro at all, actually. You're missing out. Okay. Herd's Hamburger. So yes. listeners out there, if you drive through Jacksboro, America, stop, <laughs> stop. What, what, should we, what should we get at Herd's Hamburgers? This has nothing to do with plants. Well, they only have hamburgers. Oh. So you should get a hamburger. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. See, now that now that I say it out loud and I hear it, that, that makes sense to me. Yes. Their bacon cheddar burgers are really good. Okay. Yeah, no, see, now I have to, like, I, like I need an excuse to go visit my dad, but I need to go visit my dad and stop for hamburgers on the way. Um, okay, so you said that, like, you've, you've liked plants, like, you've, is that a, like, growing up, is that something you did? Yes, so my grandparents are also, um, used to live in Dallas, um, and when they retired, they, they bought a property out in East Texas, so further east of the Metroplex, right. where things also really like to grow. Um, but I grew up helping my grandmother in her garden during the summer. So we would get up and we would help her plant or weed or harvest or whatever she was doing for that particular week of the summer season. And me and my younger sister and my youngest cousin would get up and we would help her. So doing that all summer long, all throughout my, you know, 
young adult to early teenage years, um, I just, I got used to being in the garden and loved it. I thought it was fascinating, again, to watch a seed turn into a plant that then turned into produce I could harvest and then cook with. So again, another thing you can watch the full project spectrum from start to finish. Well, and you know, what's interesting is that's such a common story that I hear. Like that's, that's kind of my story. And I've talked to two or three different people that are like, yeah, I grew up uh, gardening with my grandparents. And like, uh, I don't, and then that's, that's an interesting thing that, you know, at our age that maybe like our grandparents are that generation that were still, like super into gardening. Oh, my grandmother still is. I mean, she now lives back in the Dallas Rockwell area. Sure. And so her lot size has greatly, you know, diminished, but she still has um, tomatoes, onions, garlic, basil. I mean, you, she's got a lemon tree. So yeah. while she doesn't need the extra hands because she didn't have as much space, she's still gardening. Yeah, that and that's super cool. And it's so something I think would be interesting to talk about a little bit is like, Somewhere along the way, we kind of lost that, I think, maybe a little bit like in, in, you know, there's there's a generation there that was like super into it, like they gardened every day, they grew their own food, all of that. And then there was a gap in there somewhere where I think people did it, but maybe it was not as exciting, not as common. And do you see that as you know, because you work with a lot of people, you talk to a lot of folks from kids through adults and, and you know, everything in between. Um do you see like a new resurgence in like gardening or people into it again? I do. So speaking about my grandmother's generation, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume um, that had something to do with the Great Depression. Sure. Where they needed to garden in order to eat. Um, and then, you know, the next generation, my, my parents' generations, they didn't have that need. So they just went to the grocery store and got what they needed. And, and gardening turned into more of a hobby. I have seen more of a resurgence here recently, maybe in the last five to 10 years mm-hmm. of people really caring about what they're putting into their bodies and where it comes from. And so through that, I've seen a, a huge kind of resurgence and new calling of younger people wanting to garden and, and caring in that way, mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that what they're putting into their bodies is the best they can possibly get yeah so no and that's such a good point and i think that like people uh, you know they're interested in what's going in their bodies but they're super interested in where it's coming from definitely um you know the local food markets that are ever kind of everywhere mm-hmm. now that's a big deal oh yeah you know we've got some great restaurants here in town that they will source everything they possibly can locally as opposed to getting it from say a big nationwide grocery broker chain. Right. And so that's really nice to see that, you know, not only are the general public caring about that, but businesses are kind of following suit as well. Yeah. Well, and I, I had just had lunch actually at a place that buys a lot of their uh, produce from a couple of local growers. And that, that is really cool. Um, so tell me, and this is, I, you know, again, I know some of the things that you do because I've done that job, but what does a day look like for you? Oh, goodness. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so my typical day could start out with putting together a presentation or a lesson plan or an activity for a school group and then going and making that presentation to 50 little adorable children um, and teaching them about pollinators or rainwater harvesting or why it's important to recycle and compost. Again, whatever topic it is I'm speaking about. Um, And then after that presentation, I may go and meet with my Lubbock Master Gardeners Association and help them um, 
come up with really new and exciting educational events that they'll be putting on, or maybe we're planning something within the organization. Um, I then might go and put together a new brochure or um, highlight some relevant topic that's going around right now in the county. Um, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, it was an elm leaf beetle that people mm-hmm. were seeing around. Um, earlier this spring, it could have been, hey, watch out. We're having lots of rain. You're going to need to be real careful with your tomatoes. Yeah. You know, that kind sure. of thing. So that's really my given day is putting presentations together, giving those presentations, meeting with my volunteer groups, um, interacting with the citizens in Lubbock County in any way that they need. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully going home to my garden with my little guy and trying to pass on that love for gardening to him as well. See, you're way better at that because most of the time, by the time I get home, I'm like, I just, I don't care anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I've been called the Energizer Bunny. So I just kind of just keep going. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm just tired. I just, I get home and I'm like, I could go mow the lawn or not. And lately it's been like, or not, which is bad because we've gotten a ton of rain and my lawn's been like staring me in the face. Yes, we have had a lot of rain. Luckily for me, I've got a husband at home that if I, you know, neglect mowing the yard or something (laughs) like that, he'll, he'll pick up the slack for me. That's that's good. That's helpful. (laughs) So can you, you know, at this point in the the podcast and I've recorded a bunch of them and it's, you know, for those of you out there who have done a podcast, you know, that you record stuff and then you put them in a weird order and you're like, I don't even know what I've talked about at this point. But can you give me like the quick rundown on extension? What does extension do? What's the point? So Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service is in every county in the state. We're affiliated with the land-grant university, which here in Texas is Texas A&M, and it is our job. Sorry, I'm an Aggie. Go ahead. Go on. (laughs) Um, And it is our job as extension agents to get out university-based research to our prospective clients in our counties. Okay. So anything coming out of Aggie horticulture, you would be getting through me. Okay. So anything that comes out of their research, any new hot topics, any new plants, any new pests, anything like that that they see would come from their research to me. And then hopefully my presentations reach everybody in Lubbock County. Right. Yeah. That sounds like a big job. It is. I am one tiny person. (laughs) Well, and so I guess that's I guess that's kind of where the master gardeners come in a little bit. Right. Yes. So my Lubbock master gardeners are amazing. Um, They help me reach a broader audience because, again, I am just one person. So I bring all of that information to Lubbock County. I share it with the master gardeners um, through our meetings or through our outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they help me get that information out there. So you might see them doing community projects. You might see them on the Saturdays at the Arboretum. You might see their posts in the newspapers or on social media. Um, and that's what they're doing. They're helping me get that information out there for everybody. Yeah. How big is the Master Gardener Association here now? So we are right at 60 members. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And we're getting ready to have another intern class, which is how you become a Master Gardener, um, at the very beginning of next year. Okay. 
This should, yeah, this will be out by then for sure. So, you know, maybe I'll put some more information in the show notes about where you can sign up, where we can find you and stuff like that. Great. But, thank you. You know, I think a lot of the people that will be listening, that hopefully people, are, I hope you're listening. I hope you're a human out there that's listening to this. But um, I think a lot of the people will be interested in in gardening and learning more about it and how to be better at it. And, and also, I think that there's maybe a love for education in I don't, maybe maybe it's, maybe it's a plant people thing. I don't know. But like from my, and you can tell me if this has been your experience too, but my experience is that like, if someone loves plants, they want to tell you about it. Oh yes. They will share everything. Whether you want awesome. them to or not. Well, they will share their knowledge. <laughs> they will share their plants, their seeds, their tips. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a cool community. I think. Very much so. Um, Very warm and welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. And, and, it, and it's pretty cool. Cause it's like. You know, at, at some at some level, like what more important thing could we do than make sure plants are healthy, that we have food, that our food has food, you know, whatever, however you want to cut that. I think that like at the basis of a lot of what we do in our world and society and everything else, like plants are kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like to eat. I think you like to eat. I do like to eat. I also like to have clean drinking water and clean air. So all those know. things are important. Yeah. So like wear shirts and stuff. It's great. Yeah. Oh, and medicines. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, and, and part of the reason we're we're doing this at all is is I I think that maybe it's not as that plant science has become maybe not as popular as a lot of things, right? It's like, oh, when I can take a, a an electric vehicle and put a dummy in it and launch it in space, that plays pretty well on social media. Yeah, but once you get to space, what are you going to eat? Yeah, what do you do? Nothing. With an electric car. Yeah. <laughs> you need food. You need to grow whatever. That battery is not going to taste good. No, I've seen The Martian. I mean, <laughs> that's probably not very good science, but whatever. Uh, in any way. Um, so... What kind of like, so for you, so for for those of y'all, I'm going to edit this part where I'm rambling and saying the word so a whole bunch. So I'm just going to keep going. But um, for the people out there that don't know much about it, uh, extension agents and extension professionals and educators come up with like a couple of plans of work for a year. There's some topics that you tackle. There's things that you uh, focus on in, yes. you know, so what, what are your favorite things to talk about? What do you like to teach? What do I like to teach? Well, and funny you mentioned program plans. They're due next week. Oh, no. Um, that was my so, least favorite time of year. <laughs> um, I really like to talk about um, our native pollinators and how our insects really improve our plant health and our plant productivity. I think that's really fun. Um, I'm really into edible landscaping, especially with heirloom varieties Mm -hmm. and specifically even historically like significant varieties. That's cool. Because I'm a a weird nerd like that. That's okay. We all are. History and plants like sign me up. Um, Also, I think it's just really fun to see really nicely designed landscapes that are environmentally conscious. So driving around town, I mean, you can spend $10,000 and have a a really nice landscape, but chances are five years down the road, if you've not been conscious or your designer or your installer wasn't conscious about what they used plant material wise, it's not going to be there. So I like making bookmarks as I drive around town and see new landscapes going in. I go back five years later and see what's still there and what survived yeah. and, and make sure that, you know, my radar is still in sync with what 
the environment is saying to do. Sure. So kind of cool to see. No, and I'm glad you said that because again, when people like kind of hone in on the point of the podcast, it's it's validating for me. But so the podcast is called Planthropology. Right. So like the historical and human aspect of plants, like how do we react to them? And so you said, you know, history and plants sign me up and some of the heirloom varieties. And it's interesting because I think we almost see like the historical record. Like if you look back at landscape design through time and um, that's kind of what you're talking about doing is you drive around and what is the climate saying? What is the environment saying? What can we still do or not do? See, I'm just a weirdo like that. (laughs) <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think that history is important in that way in any field, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, social sciences or anything else. Business. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, any of those things. I think having a historical record and knowing what people have done in the past and what has worked. And we can compare what works today with what worked in the past. And I think we get a pretty clear picture of how things have changed and how society has changed and the climate's changed and all of that. I think that it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I totally agree with you. And again, those are just my personal interests already. So so that lines up pretty well. Yeah. Well, and if you see me driving around town, looking very perplexed or confused as to, you know, like what I'm doing, maybe I've lost my mind. It's because I'm making a mental image and trying to, again, make a mental bookmark of where I am, what I'm looking for and remembering to come back. Yeah. So you talked about, um, you talked about edible landscapes Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, you know, some people talk, call them multi-purpose or multi-use or dual purpose, but I think edible landscapes probably is the best way to describe that because that's what it is. What, in West Texas or, you know, the wherever, what kind of things can we and maybe should we be using as part of our landscape designs? Well, um, depending on what your climate conditions are and, and what, you know, environmentally you have on your site, anywhere from large shade trees down to your perennials, you do have some edible options. So just being conscious of that. I mean, rather if you decided to use say an evergreen shrub for a foundation planting, mm-hmm. instead of using a boxwood or an Indian hawthorn, maybe look at using some of our rosemary. Oh yeah. You know, hey, there's an edible substitute for an evergreen shrub. Or instead of maybe using a, I don't know, a annual ground cover, Maybe look at using some really cool oregano or some um, vine tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, you know, sure. having those vine out across. Um, any There's oaks. You can use the acorns for flour or coffee substitutes. I mean, hmm. again, just kind of being conscious of that. Yeah. You can really make some great decisions um, and be able to use what your plants are giving you as opposed to just using them for their aesthetic values. Yeah, and I think that's such a cool thing. I think yeah. it's such a cool way to approach gardening and landscaping and um, all of that. Well, I mean, I look at it as if I have to take care of it, I would rather it be pretty and give me something back. Yeah. So if I have to prune and check on its health and water and fertilize and do all those things, I should be getting something back for my time, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's going to look pretty, but I want to be able to use it. So I just think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, a lot of our edible plants are are great at supporting pollinators and great at supporting wildlife and all of that. Yes, very much so. Although I'm going to be fighting the birds and the bunny rabbits and jackrabbits. So that's for me, that's a downside because I would actually be using those plants. 
Yeah, so that's true. I would be a little upset if the animals got to them, but the pollinators could have all they want. Right. No, but that's actually <laughs> a good point because you talk about, we, we talk a lot about attracting wildlife and things like that, but yeah, if you're going to harvest your tomatoes, you don't want the birds to get it first. Right. Or if you've got, you know, a fence line planted with grapes instead of trumpet vines, you probably want to get some of your grapes and harvest them and eat them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Birds don't mind eating them sour. Right. right. They'll get to them a little before. And I've got a great tip for how to keep the birds from getting to your tomatoes. Oh, yes. We need this. Right now? Yeah, why not? Awesome. Okay. Well, so when you have tomato plants that that have green tomatoes on them, go buy some really cheap plastic Christmas balls, ornaments. Yeah. Like the red ones. Uh And hang them on the plants. Even right next to your green tomatoes, the birds will come and peck at the balls and get really frustrated that they're not getting the water or the nutrients out of them like they would hope for the tomatoes. They'll eventually give up and remember that, hey, there's something wrong with those tomatoes and not come back. So I hang them out there first thing in the season. Again, when I've got green tomatoes and I don't have to worry about the birds the rest of the summer. That's a great idea. So you just fool the birds. Yeah. Yeah. For like 99 cents. That's a great deal. At Walmart. Uh Uh-huh. It's great. I'm just, I'm thinking through that. That's really a good idea. It's really easy. Because, yeah, you can kind of train your wildlife that this is not a thing you want to eat. If you can figure out how to train the rabbits and the jackrabbits, you let me know. But the birds, I've got down. Yeah. (laughs) For those of you that have never seen a jackrabbit, because I think there's a lot of people in Texas. I had a friend up from Houston one time that, like, we were out at... I don't know, Ranching Heritage Center or something. That uh, (laughs) We were like, I was like, oh, look, a rabbit. And he was like, that is not a rabbit. It's like the size of a beagle. They're huge. They're mean. (laughs) Um, Which I guess technically they're a hare. They're a lagomorph, but they're, you know, they're a hare. It doesn't matter. I'm splitting. I was about to say splitting hairs. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'll see myself out. (laughs) This, this. This podcast is 80% dad jokes. Um, (laughs) So where do you see... uh, So, okay, two questions, and we'll take one at a time. But the first question is, you know, with extension and the public education you do, Mm -hmm. where do you see that headed? What do you, like, what do you think's changing in it? Is it, like, you're all still doing the things the same way, or things evolving? No, 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 no. So... You know, most people nowadays are getting their information online or through social media. So not just websites anymore, you know, and really not even Facebook. They're getting it through things like podcasts or Instagram or Snapchat. And so for organizations like mine that have been around for, I don't know, gosh, 100 years, Mm -hmm. um, we're really having to revamp to make sure that we're reaching the audiences that we're trying to reach. I mean... The information that our researchers are doing does us no good if nobody ever gets that information. Mm -hmm. So um, through podcasts like this one. Thanks, Vikram. Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) online newsletters and social media, um, also mass media. um, I'm trying to get the information out there. Yeah. Well, it's using your tools, right? Trying to. Uh, Yeah. Well, and I think that (laughs) what's always been cool about Extension is like, you meet people where they are, right? And yes. and sixty years ago is in a turn row, you know, or a gin office, and there's I think there's still that that happens, but you know, a lot of the younger generation they're hopping in the tractor and the tractor drives itself, and right, they're on Facebook or yeah. whatever. And they got their earbuds in and they're just listening, which yeah. is totally cool. Yeah. Listen to us. Yeah, sure. Yes, please do. That sounds great. That's a great idea. Uh, you said, so you said not even Facebook as much. Are you seeing like your Facebook numbers drop? Or, like is engagement kind of lower? No, not necessarily drop, 
but I can tell that I'm not reaching the young adult audience anymore. Interesting. And okay. so, for instance, maybe the college kids age group or uh-huh. the the fresh out of college age adults, they're not really tuned into Facebook anymore. Um, so again, I'm seeing those types of people, those age range of people through Instagram or Snapchat, which I mean, I'm not old, but like, I don't understand. Oh, I don't know how, how to do Snapchat the Snapchat. Works. Like I, <laughs> like I, I just, I don't get it. I'm going to have to learn the, real fast. That's the ghost one, right? Yes. There's a ghost. Yes. It's a little white ghost and a yeah, yellow, that's little the yellow square. Yeah. I don't get it. So my sister and I send funny pictures back and forth all day long. Well, sure. On Snapchat, but I can't understand how I would actually like educate people through that. So if anybody knows, message, yeah, up. message Vikram and he will get me the info on how to do that. Cause I'd love to, um, but other ways are through community events. So the master gardeners and sometimes extension have booths at all the farmers markets, mm-hmm. um, tons of other community events, great days coming up, Texas tech greenhouse horticulture field day, which oh, yeah, was a couple happened. weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, we're out and about trying to reach as many people as we possibly can. Okay. No, that's cool. And it's, yeah, I, I think like a lot of things, there's no, we, we talk about this in agriculture a lot, but there's no silver bullet. No, not anymore. Not anymore. And, and, you know, I think that's true in weed control or fertility or whatever you're doing in the landscape, but that's probably true in education too, that there's not just one thing, right? You've got to do a little bit of everything. Well, an extension has so many different, Aspects, You know, it's not just agriculture. We have family community health. We have better living for Texans. We have interurban youth development. We've got 4-H. You know, we've just got so many different topics that we cover. And we we have so many different audiences that it's hard to get everybody. Yeah. So just within the Lubbock County office, I mean, we we each agent does something completely different because we're trying to reach a different target audience. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. And so that that's, I mean, it's a big job for sure. Um, so as part of, I said, I had two questions. I, it's a couple more. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. I, that's me. I, no, I think, but I think that's good. I think that's a good conversation that um, is important. I think it's important to, to figure out how, as educators in general, whether extension or a university or anyone who wants to get a message out, there's, there's a way that you have to do it. And anymore, it's like you kind of have to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out how to be everywhere. So as, you know, I, we're hoping that some of our listeners are, are college students or people trying to get into college and, like, find their way through this field and maybe into, out of, whatever. So if you had, like, a piece of advice or a couple pieces of, of advice wanting or for someone wanting to get into extension education, uh, what would that be? What do you think you would tell them? Well, I would say definitely do it. Okay. Um, definitely get into extension. What you can do as a college student or fresh out of college, we've got different internships. So come on board, check it out just for a little while. Mm-hmm. Make sure that it's a really good fit for you. Um, but when it is, because it, it will be, <laughs> um, join our team. Um, a piece of advice for a brand new agent just coming on would be to not get overwhelmed. You know, take very small bites. Because again, as Vikram's pointed out, 
I am one person and I've got a very large job. So I, I bite off small little pieces of it and try not to overwhelm myself with, hey, I have to reach 300,000 people this right. year. So, you know, I, I just start with, OK, I'm going to do the local news and I'm going to write out a news bulletin and put out a newsletter and, you know, make sure my social media is active. Let's see where that takes me. Um, so just start small and don't get overwhelmed. OK, no, I think that's probably good advice. And. Any career when you're starting out. Definitely. Take a deep breath. Yes. And like, it's okay to say no to things. Yes. And remember, you totally got this. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay. So the the other thing I wanted to ask you is in more of a general way, uh, whether we're looking at horticulture or um, landscaping or the green industry in general, the, this whole <laughs> green sector. Where do you see us heading? What do you think the next big thing is? Where where are we going to be in five or ten years, in your opinion? Goodness, big round. Yeah, I know. I just, that's an easy question. I just thought I'd throw you a softball. <laughs> I hope what we are seeing is everybody has understood the importance of sustainable landscaping. Um, we have already kind of covered that first jump into being conservative and sustainable with our landscaping. And now we are advancing into um, further details of that. So everybody realizes that your big, beautiful, perfectly manicured Bermuda or fescue lawns (laughs) is not necessarily sustainable. So those are no more. But we, it doesn't necessarily all have to be rocks either. Right. And we're starting to kind of just develop more into that, right. if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. Because right now we're still just trying to get everybody to understand, like, the basics. Sure. So if we could get into the actual, like, meat of the discussion and the topic, um, I think we would be doing much better. Okay. So you think you think conversation – or not conversation. Conservation is kind of the next big wave. Like, yes. Like, getting – more people on board because yes i agree with you that there's a lot of people that are becoming more and more conservation minded which mm-hmm. is great i love to see that definitely uh, but there's a lot of people that aren't so there's still work to do yes which i guess keeps both of us in a job yeah well so it totally good. does in fact if you want to come out to the south plains conservation workshop series on oh, yeah. october 24th if this airs by then uh i'm not sure okay well <laughs> either way we do one once a quarter so come out say hello oh cool learn some things yeah that's great Okay, so I try to ask our experts that come on for a um, garden and landscape tip. And so since your background's in in landscape design, um, if you could give our listeners uh, one piece of advice for the landscape, um, let's say the fall landscape, since that's kind of what time of year it is, what would that be? Well, so everybody thinks to plant pansies and cabbage and kale and Swiss chard, that kind of thing. There's a really great tip I learned while I was designing landscapes because I wasn't quite happy with some of the fall color Mm -hmm. so i learned that if you'll interplant pansies with violas which look the exact same from the street violas just have a little bit smaller of a face Mm -hmm. the violas will actually fill in because they'll they'll recede quickly and give you a much fuller look to your pansy or your annual color and you'll get a much bigger pop of color result from the street than you would having space between each pansy plant so huh. intermix your pansies with violas and plant them in mass and right. plant them in mass. Yes. Cool. That's that's good advice for sure. Um, 
when should so follow up to that when should people be planting their pansies well now which would be october 10th is a really great time right as we start to kind of change over from the heat of the summer into the fall once the summer heat really breaks uh-huh. um go ahead and start getting in your fall okay your fall plants cool try to do it before our first hard freeze which might actually be tonight it might it should be super <laughs> weird it's super early super early but you know we've not really had a fall because today it's what 85 85 degrees? or something yeah, it's yeah stupid so i mean hi fall for like four hours yeah and then yeah hello winter yeah that's kind of how and then it'll be 90 again next week so whatever yeah. welcome to west texas yeah that's pretty much it so <laughs> uh hey thanks for being here i appreciate you coming on and and talking with me for a while um what plug your stuff where can we find you online what do you want people to know about well thank you for the invite Vikram I really appreciate it um, so you guys all of you lovely listeners can find the Lubbock County Extension um, on our website and on social media and oh and also the Lubbock Master Gardeners Association I'll give you their website first so it's www.lubbockmastergardeners that's an S plural okay. yep dot org and then our horticulture social media page on Facebook is Lubbock AgriLife Extension Horticulture. Okay. Look us up. Yay. And then the county website is lubbock.agrilife.org. Great. Cool. Cool. All right. Thank you. Thanks again, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Like my past self said, thanks so much for listening. I just really appreciate you being a part of this, and I hope you really enjoyed this episode. You can find us online at www.planthropologypod.com, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, as always, thanks so much to the Department of Plant and Soil Science here at Texas Tech for their support and just for being really behind what we're doing here at the show. Um, as always, as well... Do me a favor and like, rate, review, you know, interact however you can. I would love to hear your suggestions. Um, If you've got ideas for topics or potential guests, send those my way too. But uh, telling your friends about the show, um, reviewing us on Apple, on Spotify, CastBox, wherever else you can, even on social media, goes a long way to uh, making the show better and getting it in more people's ears. I appreciate y'all so much, and I hope you have a wonderful two weeks. We'll be back on... December 17th with Russ Plowman, who's an instructor of floral design and a researcher in ornamental horticulture here in our department. And then we'll have a super secret special bonus episode that's going to drop on Christmas Eve. Thanks for listening. And I will talk to you in a couple of weeks.